No, we're live right now. Well, I didn't even get a chance to get... I'm, I'm backed up because <laughs> I'm trying to get a picture of our, you know, drink this time. I am very excited about this drink. We, it's been a long time since I've made one of these. Yeah, I was looking back and I think we actually did it in season one. Yeah, yeah. but it, it may have been that long since we've done it. I, I think you're right. Yeah. So I'm going to get readjusted here because I was busy taking pictures of this beautiful... Usually, um. <laughs> usually we don't lead with the drink. Usually we have a little conversation first and then we get into the drink, don't we? But this time I'm just excited. Yeah, no, let's just go for it. <laughs> no, this is one of my favorite drinks that you make. Yeah, and, uh, I would say this is my signature drink. I'm not saying that this drink hasn't been around, but I very much invented this well it's with your coffee for yes. one so nobody else has that but it's uh it, it maybe it exists but you haven't looked up a recipe so this is your no that's and that's what i'm saying i invented it because i have tweaked this recipe over and over again to make this uh to make this particular drink of which we are soon going to describe <laughs> i'm like stop talking already <laughs> And I'm, I'm building anticipation. Yeah. It's the anticipation, you know. Okay, I'm drinking. Okay, well, for okay, before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is my signature espresso martini. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And. Oh. That was you. How can it be me? Mine's closed. Oh. <laughs> it better not be me. <laughs> it's Jesus. you. Mine is closed up. Well, and... you know, nothing is, no. <sighs> okay, we're going to have to deal with that. Anyway, espresso martini signature. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> and and so Drink this is on. it. Yeah. So, so uh, this oh, is a phenomenal summertime. I'm not drink. even going to cheers you on this because it'll make a mess. Well, uh, oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. Why don't we do this more? Seriously. It does take a little work for you because you have to pull a shot and. Well, there's a number of steps to it. Yes, that's for sure. It's not just a slap it together drink. Um, also, you know, it's a martini, so we make it in martini glasses. <laughs> Which is brutal for you coming downstairs. Well, I always forget that our podcasting studio, studio. is in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I like to talk a big game. See? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're professional podcasters. We, we have, have a, a podcasting studio. studio. <laughs> and uh, in the studio today, we have we espresso have martinis. Espresso martinis. <laughs> But uh, martini glasses are hell to walk downstairs yeah. with two of them in your hand and try not to slosh them everywhere. Yeah, but it's so pretty in this glass. I know, and I uh, it's a very pretty drink too. Yeah, and then I don't uh, I don't skimp on how full I pour. Also, <laughs> so no, there's you never that. do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Cheers to you, my love. We're Aww. having uh, espresso martinis today yeah. for the latest episode. Of sacred spaces. Yeah. Welcome everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been talking a lot about what do we talk about next, and I think we overthink this sometimes, don't you? Yeah, we do. But um, I, I also want to be sensitive that one. I want people to keep listening. <laughs> well, there's um, that, and maybe share it, and maybe uh, tell other people, people to about listen. it. <laughs> um, but the other is that I just want to be sensitive that we get bombarded with. A lot of political conversation and as much as it is 
um, a topic of the day of the hour. Sure. I, sure. I'm. I just. I have this sensitivity to over talking. Yeah, it. but come on now, we're not very political, so. <laughs> You haven't drank enough, have you? <laughs> and we don't, we really, we really shy away from hot button issues. Yeah, there's nothing controversial about what we no, talk about. We, we despise it's really controversy. Not that I want to spare people from. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the, uh, I don't think we've had a single episode that has had any controversy around it. No. With anyone no. or any politics no. either. No. We're just, we just completely stay away from those topics. Yeah. We're all about the fun here. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that you and I started this way back when. Way back way in February. Way back before coronavirus was <laughs> even a twinkle in anybody's eye. Yeah, the world was so different. <laughs> then oh my gosh wow and uh yeah way way back it seems like forever ago it, doesn't it It actually does yeah. i'm quite exhausted <laughs> yeah but we started this really just like let's just have a conversation yeah. and record it that's it's it's yeah. literally all we said yeah let's have a conversation and record it one of our normal conversations that's why you get cuss words and <laughs> drinks and right right like this is this is what we do on any given yeah. day. We just happen and, to be recording it. And we just happen to be recording it. And, you know, I think for anybody that spends any time with us, they'll, they can probably attest to, this is just, this is how we talk with each other. I mean, this is just how yeah. we, now I'm not saying this is all that. <laughs> oh yeah. There's topics that will never end up on this podcast. Right. <laughs> not only that, but we're not always laughing with each other. No. There's sometimes when when you irritate the hell out of me. Wait, no, no, no. You were supposed to say that part. That was your line in the script. <laughs> and I irritate the hell out of you, like right now. <laughs> and so sometimes there's that, too. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't make it to the podcast because, you know, we, you know, we can hit some hot button issues <laughs> and we can hit some political issues. We can all that. And people can kind of follow us through. But nobody wants to listen to a married couple fighting <laughs> a podcast. It could be a totally separate podcast for someone I mean, else. Or they do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. There's there is a show called Drunk History. We could do drunk marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining that right now. <laughs> I know, because when I think about what that could be for us, oh my God, we might get the best ratings. Ever. <laughs> Best ratings ever. So we tune in this podcast. They're really drunk and they just fight horribly. <laughs> they make me feel so good about my marriage. <laughs> we literally just gave someone a billion dollar idea for a podcast. Because <laughs> I sure as hell am not doing it. <laughs> we, it would be a waste of time. We just don't yeah. fight enough, yeah. you know, to sustain that podcast. So, you know, there's that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I do think sometimes, you know, I, I think, I mean, we talk about like, what should we talk about on today's recording? Because we, we try to plan our recordings a bit because, I mean, for one. <laughs> we have two other podcasts going. <laughs> well, yes, there's that. Um, but we, you know, 
we want to we want to have like engaging conversation during yeah. this time too. There's times when you and I are really tired and we have conversation, and it's filled with lots of pauses in between and Snoring. checking our phones. And sometimes I fall asleep, <laughs> and that would yeah. not be good podcasting. So it's not good marriage if, either. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Well, we could have an episode where we go to therapy together. <laughs> um, so, you know, we do want to have some semblance of, you know, interesting conversation, you know, and full conversation. So we, you know, yeah. we do plan these things a little bit, but, you know, that's not saying that we plan out yeah, our conversation. But, In fact, but I pitched that we talk about what have we learned in the last 25 years of marriage. Yeah. And you had a physical reaction to that. <laughs> like I said, maybe we should do some therapy on this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, wow. what have I fucking learned? Oh, and shit. Oh, shit. What was interesting, though, is your <laughs> response was, maybe we should talk about the shows we're watching on TV. <laughs> Let's talk about Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That was my, I'm like, just, you know, we're just spitballing here. We're just, we're just brainstorming. And you wonder why I was so quiet the whole way through the store. Oh no, I don't wonder. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. You can edit that out, right? I, I certainly uh, can. Okay, thank you. I might leave in the part where we say we're editing it. <laughs> <laughs> That was just a big edit <laughs> right there. Uh, oh, not because of the content of our conversation. No, because Jessica couldn't stop coughing. Because <laughs> you went into a coughing fit. You were laughing so, so hard. hard. <laughs> well, it's better than snorting. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Snorting is pretty funny, though. <laughs> like so. when like, I wake up uh, yesterday morning and you're already awake watching some kind of YouTube videos yeah. or something on your phone with headphones. So I can't hear what it is. And I'm kind of groggy waking up, and and you're just busting up laughing, <laughs> and um, and I've learned over time that I I know that you're watching something funny, I was and I just to be quiet, and I just ignore you, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but you were just like like belly laughing over whatever it was you were watching. And the more you belly laughed, the more I wanted to roll my eyes. Like <laughs> I am trying to wake up. And, uh, and, and then finally you were laughing so hard you were snorting. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. help it. It was very funny. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. When we keep it a secret though. So people have to like, you know, write us to say, what, what, what were you watching? That's the Tell us what you were That's watching. The That's the Patreon feed. <laughs> yeah. Trivia. The, the upper was, tier yeah. of the Patreon feed. <laughs> what was Casey watching, watching in bed before Jess woke up? <laughs> oh, God. That sounds so terrible. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it'll only if your mind goes there. It was very, I was belly laughing. I was, well, I think I that's mean, pretty I safe. Okay, anyway. Well, so I was, it was a comedian. Okay, we'll just make that very clear <laughs> okay. right now. <laughs> yeah, but it was very funny. Very funny. Oh, and then the, the second funny part of that, though, is I was telling you and Sydney about it later. And Sydney's like, oh, yeah, we watched that special together. And I'm like, what? I have a, wait. It did see, and she's like, yeah, you slept through half of it. <laughs> so, you know, I got, I, I got the entertainment value two times then. Yeah. See? So, 
and you got it none. So we may still have to introduce you, know, you to I, it. At some there's point. some things I just let you enjoy for me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. You enjoy my belly laughter. So well, my I, I wasn't going to say that. I was just going to say you were enjoying the episode oh, got it. of got what it. you were watching on my behalf. So now I don't have to watch yes. it. Yes. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. You know, I was, uh, um, I was helping our neighbor today with a little project. And, you know, just he had a it doesn't really matter what I was helping him. with. <laughs> I was going to describe it. Nobody cares about that. I was helping our neighbor with a project. And uh, and I was I was talking about, you know, while we were doing it, I was like, yeah, can you believe like like we've lived in this house for six years now? And that's true. Like in we moved yeah. into this house in in it's been June. six it years in, in June, June. Yeah. six years in June. So we're just like we're just barely we're in August right now. So we're just barely past that. But we've lived in this house for six years. And this is the longest we've lived in any one place, any one house. House. Yes. Not yeah. city, but house. Yeah. It's almost as long as we've lived in any city, too. I mean, we've been in the city for seven years now, which is which is getting close. I think we were in, I think we were in McCall that first stint for like ten years. Yeah, and, it was a little broken up, but yeah. But this is the thing that a lot of people don't know, and we talked about how we could talk about some of this oh a little gosh. bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing that people don't really realize we talk about, we lived in this house for six years. This has been the longest house we've or longest we've ever lived in one house. This is our 27th. I said 26. It's really been 27. I'm pretty sure it's this is our 27th home. Just since we've been married in 25 years of being married. Yeah. Yeah. 27th home. In 25 years. And we've been in this house for six years. Yeah. So really, you could say 20. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could say, you could say it, we did <clears throat> 26 homes in just do, I mean, that Are we've you been married to 25. Do math on the podcast? So, in was that 19 years? Uh, yeah. 19 <laughs> years, we did 26 homes. Oh, and then we, we owned, we owned two different homes we lived in for two years each. So we, you know, take that down to 24 homes in. I think you're making a case for something else. <clears throat> in 15 years. So like when you take the chunks of time we've lived. So basically in a period of 15 years, we moved 24 different times. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. That's insane. Yeah. Nobody so check my math on that. <clears throat> Nobody. No, I'm probably wrong. Um, but it's, uh, we, we kind of have a criteria for what a move qualified for if, uh, it, particularly when it involved our kiddos, but when we had to pick up and we moved our beds to a new place and had to sleep in our beds in a new place or somebody else's bed for a period yeah. of time and didn't have our own home. If we um, had to pack up. Yeah. Then it qualified as a move because, uh, it was displacement. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it didn't always mean we moved to a new city. Um, no. we've actually haven't lived in that many cities, um, in relationship. We actually kind of have. Well, in relationship to how many moves we've had. So, um, you know, it's, it's been this, you know, we spent a lot of years being renters. So some of the moves were not our choice. People needed to sell a home, um, 
you know, thing, you know, things like that. Some of them were our choice. We were moving to a better situation or, um, or we did move to another city. But, uh, if we had to displace ourselves, yeah, we considered it a move. And some of those moves lasted as long as a month. Um, and then this one was the longest, um, in terms of, you know, six years. So it's, but we did, I just counted up. We have lived in six different cities and four different states, too. Yeah, that's just I mean, I that's, think that's just a us. Lot. That's just us being married. I I had a, a very stable living situation growing up. You did not. True. So this is a, this is a little bit of a norm for you in life. But it is, it was absolutely a different scenario. I lived in the same house from second grade until I got married to you. So that was, I mean, I knew life as live in one house until you make that big move out. And, and I actually, I had a very stable childhood. I mean, I lived in one house all the way from, I mean, Grade school all the way through, like, I think junior high, pretty much. Um, I think it was, like, my eighth grade year that our moving started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for me, it was just the high school years. But, yeah, I, even thinking about that, though, like, I went to – I changed high school. I didn't go to this many high schools. Sometimes I left and came back. Mm-hmm. But I changed high schools from my freshman year to senior year till I graduated, changed high schools nine times. Yeah, no wonder you have social issues. <laughs> I don't have social <laughs> issues. <laughs> well, I'm just throwing it out there. So if you do, then we know what to blame it on. <laughs> or maybe I do. I'm always telling people they need to be willing to consider. Maybe I need to be willing to consider that I have social issues. <laughs> yeah, but it is kind of, it's very crazy, isn't it? It is. Um, I think it created a couple of things in our family. One our children are highly adaptable. Um, they, so much. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to life having to switch gears, changing directions, uh, throwing out the old plan and putting a new plan in place, those are things that it doesn't scare them. It doesn't um, really jar them in any way. I, I even wonder, at least with our oldest, that there's even a little bit of excitement in that, that it means something new is on the right, horizon. Right, right. So, um, but they are highly, highly adaptable to people and circumstances. The downside of it is that I have, I found that once we started making those moves, we started boxing things up and never opening some of those boxes. So we move in. This is very true. They, they landed in our garage or some storage unit or something and those boxes just kept moving with us from place to place, but didn't necessarily get opened. And right. so there's a, a thing called heritage that I feel like we didn't really have, like a, a rooting, a deep rooting um, in where we came from. And uh, I think that that part, I find that in the girls' adaptability – in our adaptability, um, we also don't hold on to things very tightly, including um, the history of who we are 
And so there's a there's a like pros traditions and, cons. and yeah, things traditions, like that. Like yeah. traditions are not really. A, I mean, we do we have, have some. Them. We do yeah. have them, and I think some of them are formed out of that very reason of moving. But it's not like I grew up where the tree was in the same place every single year at Christmas time. Right. The dinners happened at the same place for Thanksgiving every right. year. Right. Um, you know. Some of this, we worked hard to have some of the familiarities always travel with us. So it was really important to me when the girls were little. Um, we made a big move from Arizona to Idaho when Sydney was about three years old. Kaylee had just finished kindergarten. And it was really important to me that the things that they knew to be their room um, as whatever temporary or what we thought was going to be permanent scenario situation, living situation, we would make sure that all of those things, it was the first thing that was set up so that they felt like they had their space, that they could feel like they were landing. And again, it was familiar. So everything from bedspreads to books to particular toys or decorations or picture frames were really important to them, even yeah. at a really young age. Yeah. So, um, so that there was familiarity in the newness. Um, and I'm learning now is that they're adults that some of the strangest things that I wasn't expecting are the things that they really hold on to as being anchors to their, you know, their childhood, their growing up. So it's, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. We didn't set out to do that by any means. It was not our we goal. We absolutely did not. In fact, every move we were, I think we were really hoping this is the last one. Um, and... Except this house. I think we thought this was a, a pit stop to something else, and now we're here six years. Like, Do you really I, think that? I think... I haven't felt that way here at all. I, I, I mean... This isn't a dream house by any no, means. No, I, I, like, I feel like I have one more move in me. Like, like I'd really love to... I mean, because we've talked about for a long time yeah. about building our dream right. setup or whatever on some land and whatever. But I haven't felt like... I felt like this home is is a home for us for as long as it takes to get to that point. Uh, I would agree with that. And maybe this is part of <laughs> part of the moving so much is that I don't hold on to a space. Um, I try and make it home, but I I don't hold on to the space, which I think uh, I keep I don't have a strong relationship with the walls and the doors and the, you know, the, yeah. the layout, yeah. things like that. And so I think I always feel in the back of all of it of our living that this is temporary. Mm. Um, and I know that this, this layout of this particular house, we're in a really great location in Spokane, but it is not a dream layout. There's a lot of frustrations with the house itself. Yeah. So I, so yeah. I see it more as, um, it, it feels a bit like a, a pit stop to the next, you know, I just didn't know it would, I, because it has never happened to us. I didn't know it would be six years. Um, I don't know that I... I don't really want to move. That's not the thing in me. I just think I have learned how to become unattached to the places we do live. Yeah, and I think the part of the temporary nature of it... I mean, I'm going to guess here for you. And it, and it certainly is for me as well. Is that, you know, I was... Once upon a time, long time ago, I was a, a general contractor in remodeling. Mm -hmm. And so 
we have always looked at fixer uppers as being really great options for us to, for investments. And by and large, I mean, they, they, I mean, it's been okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, we haven't made the best decisions, but part of that is because we're always so involved in other things going on that to take the time to actually fix things up ourselves, Mm -hmm. we just don't, we don't finish (laughs) projects. And you may, you have this joke that, you know, in fact, you even said it on the on on the air before here, that if I finish a house, we're like we're done, pack up. you start packing, yeah, because <laughs> it must be time to move, yeah. right? Because yeah. that in and, and, and I this think house was very unfinished, very so unfinished. <laughs> maybe it's a <laughs> maybe I can settle in. I don't know. Which is great for us. I think this has probably been the best house investment we've made so far. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. Okay, so here here's a question for you, and I know we've we've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I'm curious to I'm curious as to what you would think now about this. Why do you think that what drove us to move so many times? What was it? I mean, if it wasn't in our plan, what do you think it was that drove us to move so many fucking times? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's always an, a, a story for each one of the moves, for sure. But an underlying thing is we were re- always ready for the next adventure. You know, that, um, Yeah. you know, I, I know there were some moves in there where, like, we do not want to be making this move, um, but we have to. It's, it's uh, a job thing or it's you know, circumstances beyond what we wanted. But I think you and I are incredibly adventurous. And I think tying us down to too many um, unmovable things is is a little bit uh, difficult. Um, I crave, um, I crave the stability, but at the same time, uh, maybe it's because we've been doing it so much. I get nervous the longer that we are in one spot. Um, because if, I, I don't know, maybe if I was really honest, maybe I feel like we're missing something. Um, I know that you and I both have this incredible desire to travel, to see other cultures, to, to constantly be meeting new people and to experience new ways of life. That's the environment we met in. It is. And... It was kind of what we set out thinking that we would do. Yeah. So I think maybe each one of those moves was this little glimmer of, oh, maybe we're, maybe that's, this is part of that, you know? Um, I don't, there were a couple of big moves we made when we, it wasn't so much a house move as much as it was a community move. Those ones are the hardest ones. Um, I think the one from moving from McCall to Spokane was probably our, are most difficult because it was tied up in a lot of emotional decisions around it with our I, kids' best interest versus um, they don't they their remembered life really existed in McCall. So there yeah, was, but the call the move from McCall to California, I think was oh yeah, that's right was equal. I would say that was the hardest th- for totally different reasons. Yeah. I mean, totally different reasons. They, I would say they were equally as difficult. Yeah. But I would say that we learned to 
embrace what it was that was there for us at the time. I mean, um, some of our best uh, youth group ministry memories exist in California. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, we just we had some dynamic people that are still in our life um, that, uh, yeah. But McCall also had people that were just family choose. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, you know, we there were families that we just spent holidays with because, uh, because that felt like the most um, traditional thing that we could do. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. How I, would you answer that? Yeah, question? well, I was just gonna I was gonna jump in. Yeah. Um. I I honestly blame blame. That's a strong word. Um. I attribute a lot of it to faith. Mm. Um. For this reason, that I had, and I've shared this, you know, and when I kind of shared the story of my life, you know, mm-hmm. in last season, um. I I really had this internal thing, this internal drive that I was going to accomplish something great for the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. you know, that God was going to use me in this incredible way. And so there was always this thing about continuing to move further and further into that. Mm-hmm. And so it was this progression for me of always looking for what's to come. What's the next thing? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing? And so we would we'd be in something, it would be wonderful and it'd be great, but it was like there was always this itch in me and it usually started kicking in about a year into it. And then it would, you know, within two years was was kind of <laughs> when we were like, it's time for something else, you yeah. know? And um and that was that was like a driving force in my life. I was always looking, like you said, for always looking for the next adventure. But I would almost, I would spiritualize it too for, for me personally. And I, I think you know, we had a lot of conversations about that too. You know, mm-hmm. like we were, we were, responding to the, uh, to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. I think is the language we would have used. Yeah. Um. I think, I think, oh. I'm saying that's for me. That's, yeah, that's why, that's what I, I attribute a lot of it to. I, I mean, I see, I see that is a factor in there, but I think you and I, we had some really strong conversations about what was best for our family, but what was best for the things we were wired to do. And so call it a spiritual nudging or an intuitive knowingness of ourselves. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's times that we took that real knowing of ourselves and maybe we explained it to the world on a spiritual level, but I think we actually knew what we needed and what we wanted, what we were good at. You and I have had really honest conversations about the fact that we kind of trips us up to a point that maybe we are starters of things and not sustainers of things um, that we Which are is totally legitimate. Yeah. That we come in and we do something. We, we resurrect something that's not working or resurrect something that is new. We get it off the ground. We get it moving, True, but our ability to, to be in the game for the sustainment of it um, we find ourselves 
uh, we we were struggling with that a bit more. I I don't know if I would actually classify ourselves that way anymore, but I think we we were for a period of time. And so that was a deep knowing of ourselves, not necessarily a spiritual guiding, but I think it in the positions that you were taking working for the church at the time, those were a way that could be explained to the world around us, to the communities around us, it is, a, is to say that I feel like God's moving us in a new direction. Um, because just to say, I think this is what we want, or I think this is what we need, or what we're good at, those aren't really languages you use in the church. Um, so we use the language that made sense. But I think in our private conversations, we were really clear about what we're not good at that. We can't go down that road. That is not wired for us. Um, and that didn't necessarily have a spiritual context to it in and of itself. No, um, no. It, I think I do. I agree with you. I think you're right. Um, I still do. I know that there, there was that drive inside of me mm-hmm. to accomplish something great. Yeah, to, I agree. To live up to my... You want to say potential is what will be out there, but to live up to my calling, I think is what it was. And, and honestly, and you and I have talked about this a lot is it completely fucking burned us both out. Yeah. I mean, it burned us up and it burned us out. Um, And at the same time, some of the most rewarding things that we did were in those facets of work at the same time, we didn't know how to shut it down. And so it absolutely burned we us didn't, up. We didn't know how... We didn't know how to take care of ourselves. Oh. Okay, that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can... You, I mean, we can go... You could go into that and talk about what yeah. that looks like. But it is a statement of fact, I think, with... Uh, absolutely. With what happened to us because of that drive as mm-hmm. well. And you were amazingly supportive of me. And so you bought into that drive for me to, I'm not saying, I'm not using bought in as a pejorative way. I'm using it as oh, a real way. I'm, I'm wired that um, way. So it's but all you bought in to fully support me in that while being totally fine with not pursuing anything that you personally were passionate about. Because that was the that was the structure that we were given in our yeah. faith pursuit also is that it was it was my calling mm-hmm. that led the family well um, i don't even know that i truly knew what it was that i would do or could do outside of us working on this stuff together yeah i mean it, it just because wasn't you, a frame of thinking because for we me. never lived in an environment where you were I mean, you can say aloud, but where you were, you were certainly never encouraged. Like, like we never sat around, Jess, you and I never sat around and I never said, what do you want to do? Like, what, what would we pursue if it were, if it were you? Like, if, if you were saying, this is what I want, what yeah. would we pursue? We never did that. Well, I, there's a part of it where I don't know that I would appreciate, would have appreciated that conversation. Are you getting what I'm saying, though? I I am, but I was. There was a part of it where I was doing exactly what I wanted. I had the luxury 
the privilege of being at home with my kiddos, you know, being there. But it was it was at a cost of us burning out that we that okay, I can see on your face <laughs> that you you were going somewhere else with this. It's not that I was going somewhere else. It's that I'm I'm sitting here recognizing something. Mm. Um I I'm recognizing an in this environment that we had where we we called each like we considered ourselves equals where we yeah where we didn't really look at ourselves as living in this patriarchal kind of religious setup that that quite frankly we were fucking taught yeah that we should be following um all of that but but you were never you were never in an environment where the exploration of your own desires mm-hmm. and your own wants was ever encouraged other than in a cursory kind of way. Like, I think I was progressive enough in the environment I was in to ask you at times, mm-hmm. but then you would, you would respond to your training and your position in the church, your role to kind of shut that down and then to say, no, I, what I want is to support you in this. I don't, I don't know what, and I remember all, I remember all the time us having this conversation where you'd be like, I don't know what I want. Yeah. I really didn't. What I want is to support you. I mean, you would say that to me so many times and I'm like, and, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to take it on like this big guilt thing, like, but I am, this isn't the direction I was really Mm -mm, intending it. Like I'm saying, I'm literally sitting here having a revelation. As progressive as I may have been within that system, I didn't recognize how crushing that system was for you. So how do you define the teen center period of time? Because that was a project I was primarily in charge of. I think I think things started to change for us around around all of that. And and certainly we were in a much different faith application under mm-hmm. Brian and Janine also. Right. So Brian just point of clarification. Brian Reese was our pastor. Janine, Brian were married. weren't progressive enough to say that Janine was. It was Brian and Janine were the pastors. <laughs> well, she wouldn't want that anyway. She, she wouldn't would, want it anyway. Yeah. She didn't want to go to church most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but Brian was just, I mean, incredibly freeing in faith approach and just about tearing down so many of those walls that we had right. built up over time. And so he didn't actually let us live up to all the no, constructs that nope. we had had. He would challenge them for he us. He was really good about that. Yeah. So I really do think that things were changing for us mm-hmm. in that time. And I think that, um, but I think 
also too, it was like this, this thing like broke open for you and you found this ability that you had that you didn't know you had. No, I think, I, I think the teen center was, uh, had elements that I had, um, I had done on a youth trip or I had done in, in support of what it was that you were organizing or doing and in the creation of what you were doing. And I would pop in and out of your project when you felt like you needed it or yeah. needed the support. But the teen center, the development of it, the grant writing, the structure, the policies and procedures, you. it was all it, part of it. It wasn't intentional. Like I set out for this, it was, Hey, we had this opportunity, but you've also got this job um, at the church that if we're going to take this on, which we had, we had, I had a full-time job. Yeah. But we also had the support of the church to be working on this project. Um, it just meant that I needed to uh, help with some of that logistic stuff that you actually didn't have time to do. And what I found in that was that I actually really thrived in that yeah. particular area of um, creating policies and procedures and all of that and created a job for myself. And, really. and just to clarify real quick, because I don't know how much we've actually talked about this. Probably but not too much. In our, in our time in the McCall area, we actually took over a teen mentoring project that never was, really got started. Never got really got started. It was Basically, an idea. A, a name and an idea got started. We took it and we, we built it into a fully functioning mentoring teen mentoring pro program with a fully functioning and funded teen center and um, two businesses and along two with supporting that. businesses, a coffee shop and a thrift store mm -hmm. that were, um, that were employment job mentoring, mentoring, job yeah. mentoring, and um, financial sustainers of the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> what started out as a one-on-one -on -one mentoring program, um, we we found ourselves led down the road to to actually conquer the whole problem that existed in McCall, which was um, developed in. And we attempted to get all of the churches on board with supporting mm -hmm. that and not just financially, but with volunteer, volunteering and that. that sort of thing. And we got Valley County Juvenile Justice System, System. Um, as a major supporter, both um, financially and uh, through volunteers. Yep. We had a joint um, grant written under we Title We were connected for with that. Yeah. the Valley County School System, and so we had connections with, you know, yeah. we were regularly meeting with principals and teachers and, you know, that kind of thing. The too. idea so, was that it was going to be this really a groundbreaking effort of total community right. um, cooperation. Right. YMCA, which would have been a, a lookalike to what we were attempting to do without all of the physical, On a, yeah. uh, you know, gym aspect of it, um, would not come to communities as small as McCall. Because we were too small. We, didn't, right. we couldn't fund what they right. were doing. Yeah, so we were looking at how how do we create what the teens in McCall needed the same things as the teens in Boise, maybe even more so, and yet we don't have the resources for it. So that was our attempt, was to create what they needed um, and fund that project um, we were getting approached by counties throughout the state of Idaho. Um, they're saying, what are you doing and we how like are you doing do this? the same thing. And so we were looking at actually duplicating this project to other small counties throughout the state of Idaho. Um, so it, it had started out as a, as a, 
as one thing and actually developed into something else twofold two things one it had the potential to to connect with the entire state and to provide resources across the entire state to all these small communities the other aspect of it was that it was undoing the church community with this project the collective efforts that had at that point been attempted by the individual not the collective no 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 no, but i'm talking about you know asking churches that were different from each other to come together and work on a cooperative project um it was undoing them um and so it it became um what started out as a small justice project became a large justice project. Um, but well, this in and of itself could be an entire, yeah. we could have an entire conversation on that. And right. that might be a very interesting one to have at some point in time. Cause I love the story. I think it's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. The point that I'm making in, in right now is that you built that fucking program from the ground up. You did. I yeah. didn't do it. I, I, that was the first time that I was in a supporting role to you. Yeah. And I was kind of the, you know, one way, <laughs> I was the muscle, yeah. right? I was the one that would go and strong arm people and tell them that they need to get on board. Well, you were the advocate kinda... to the community churches. I was the advocate to the community um, uh, government structures. Yeah. So You were to the brainy side of things. I was to the emotionally pulling side of things (laughs) of like, you know, trying to challenge people to rethink their ways they're approaching things, all that. I guess a conversation started with, you know, how many times we've moved. We actually started with alcohol and then how many times we started. It always starts with alcohol. (laughs) Those are always more interesting anyway. Um, Has morphed into this, this major realization for me about, again, just how much, um, you know, we've had all of these different sections of our life, all these different moves, all these different adventures. And I think how repressed you were in that time. And not intentionally, we thought we were living in a pretty progressive way. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, think we, we were living in a pretty progressive way in light of the structure, the yeah. the doctrines mm-hmm. that we were participating in in our churches. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is that there was you you were not you were not in an environment where you felt the freedom to even consider what might be of interest to you. Yeah. Or what you might like to do with mm-hmm. yourself. You were fulfilling a role. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to think this is pretty vulnerable of me to say um, the work that I did on the, the MIST program, the Teen Center Mentoring Program in McCall, I was both exhilarated and terrified of it all at the same time because I really hadn't stepped out like this for myself um, in any, any way prior, not, not on this level, mm-hmm. you know, like this, what do I do after this? Like, this is so massive of a project for me and I'm putting every piece of me in there that by the time we moved away, 
um, it was like leaving a child behind. Yeah. Like I had, I had not taken all my kids with me to Spokane. Yeah. And, um, and I think it opened something up in me that m- made it very, very hard for me to navigate forward that I might have things to contribute to the world all on my own, mm. all separate from one separate from the church, but also separate from you. Um, I didn't not want to work with you. That was never my hope. I thought we were actually kind of yin and yang for me with, when yeah. it came to projects. Right. But, um, but I also saw that there was some skill sets in there that were very specific to me. Um, that you did not have. And I was always aware of the yeah. ones that you had that I did not have. But this was the first time I think I became aware of the other way around. Um, so coming to Spokane was, oh, it was such a difficult thing. You know, I go from being in charge of such a major project and working on something so big and creating all this funding and um, resources and all the things that we did with that to not being uh, trusted with a smaller um, yeah. project um, was really hard. It really tanked me when I got here to Spokane mm. um, because I had experienced a drive um, in something and an awareness of myself um, of what I was capable of and then to have somebody hold that back in me again you know once it was released that was tough yeah that was really tough I knew what I I think I knew what I was capable of and never being allowed to actually do that thing um I think it actually crushed me I think that's why Spokane has been such a difficult move for me um because it actually once something got opened up Mm. it it crushed me here so it's like we we let the light hit a part of you mm-hmm. and then it got all closed up again. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had the faith and the backing of a community that I could actually pull this off. And I would I would come home and go, Casey, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Like they trust me with this. What am I doing? And I would figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. But I had a cause that I was so passionate about. Those kids needed someone to be their voice, you know? And I could be a voice. You could yeah. be a voice. Yeah. I could make that voice thing. I could make things happen with it. Mm-hmm. And um and I think getting to Spokane, it was like the the cause wasn't there and the the justice mm-hmm. wasn't there and the the trust wasn't there, you know? And and that just, I think that that was probably actually worse than pre-teen center. Mm-hmm. You know. You know i I think about all of that, and I I think about you know our first half plus first three quarter time here in Spokane, mm-hmm. um, and then I think about the last, you know three and a half years or so mm-hmm. where, you know, we have been through so much and we have found each other in an, in an entirely new way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, 
have like intentionally explored a um, a true equality in mm-hmm. our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and in our way of life. And in our way of life. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what we choose to pursue yeah. now. And and I I look at the effect that it has had on you to just have all of the restrictions, not all of them. You can't remove all of them. Mm-hmm. There's societal, there's oh, right, everything right, right. else. But, but at least within the internally within mm-hmm. our marriage, to have the restrictions lifted off and just to say, what do you dream about, Jess? Mm-hmm. What, what is exciting to you? What is, yeah. and to watch you like just flourish in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just come alive. You know, and you've shared you've shared much of that story here, mm-hmm. um, and and I'm just, you know, I think about, you know, all of the all of the moves, and I think about the you know we're coming up on 26 years of marriage here in, <laughs> in not too long, um, yeah, and I I think about all of that kind of stuff, and I. I think about every house that we've lived at and every town we've lived at and every every job that I have had and then eventually that you had as well, you know, and all of that as these markers of like points in time in our life. And I look at where we are today and I'm just so incredibly grateful for where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we certainly have not arrived at anything. No, we're kind of back to ground zero again in, in a lot of ways yeah, because, right? you know, COVID has changed the world for us occupationally and in a big way. So um, we're back to reinventing. Um, it's the adventure that we've always lived. But but where we live now in our mental framework, and I think and I think deeply yeah. spiritual part of us as well, is that we are not afraid to to look at who we are, where we are, what we're thinking and say, is there a better way? Yeah. And then just to be like, okay, if there's a better way, why would we keep holding on to something Mm -hmm. that's not working or something that's not good or something that's, or something that's not even as good? Yeah. Cause sometimes it's not like black and white, like this is evil and this is good. Right. Sometimes it's just like, well, there's just a better way. Right. So why would I keep holding? And I, I think you and I have so, fully embrace that um in the especially in the past several years that um that I wouldn't I wouldn't exchange this place for anything for any amount of security for any amount of anything yeah. else I 27 moves in our lifetime yeah and I love I love that ultimately every single one of them has brought us to this place we're sitting at today. Yeah. And I would cheers to that, but I'm done with my alcohol. <laughs> I, w- I would say that there's a tremendous amount of progress for, for us and how we make decisions moving forward. And, you know, um, I think we'll 
always have to entertain, you know, the, the what what's next question, especially now where we thought we were quite stable. I think it's kind of a part of us now. Yeah, but I think it's also a part of this new world under COVID too. Sure, um, yeah. I, I think we're a little we'll, more suited towards it. Right, toward, we're, yeah. we're well prepared for this. <laughs> right. um, but there was a time, you know, during the um, shelter in where, you know, we were working out, you know, okay, what if you don't have a job to go back to? Yeah. What are what are some of your options? And um, we felt like mine was a pretty secure situation to be able to go back to work. Um, so we weren't, I mean, I was working on my, my business that I'd set out to do since last year around this time. Um, but we didn't feel like um, I was going to lose my uh, day job. Um, yeah. We we knew that yours was on, you know, up yeah, in the we air. Didn't, we didn't have the same assurance on mm-hmm. my end. No, sure. and there was one day where you were working through all these ideas and thoughts and what are you passionate about. It really was a great time to really sort all all of that out, right? And there was one day you you came to me and said, but I have this idea, and it was an idea for another nonprofit. And it's a brilliant idea. I hope it happens someday. I really do. I'm trying to think of which one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, for being able to, to raise up uh, leaders. Leaders in communities, mm-hmm. yeah. In communities. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I, yeah. And so, uh, and at one point, you were just so jazzed about this. And we've been very honest with each other, very realistic with each other about where our strengths and our, I hate these word weaknesses, but our, uh, we tend to be the opposite need. So what you need is often what I'm uh, skilled at, right? Yeah, yeah. And vice versa. So you were working through that and you, and I, I had to say to you, that would require this from me to make this happen. And right now I want to put my business at the top Uh of my list um, because I started this and I, I owe it to myself to do this thing. Yeah. And (laughs) it was the first time that I think I've actually taken something that I wanted and I was working on and, and voiced out, but this matters to me and I need to do this first. And you were amazingly responsive to that. It was like, of course, like, of course it is. I mean, of course that's it. And, um, but I think that that was a big crossroad for us, um, was realizing that if I moved forward in something that I was excited and passionate about, um, it might mean that I can't help you in something that you're excited and passionate about. Yeah. That was new territory for us. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully someday we can make that happen because I think it's a brilliant idea. Or it has to happen in a different kind of way. In a different kind of yeah. way. But um, but I think that all of this transition, all of this change, all of this moving, uh, it does force you to get really honest and serious about what it is that matters to you. Um, you don't hold on to extra stuff, that's for sure. Well, you might. It's in a box in the garage, and you have to go to the dump and <laughs> dispose of it after a while. But, um, but you just can't carry everything with you every time you move. Right. So, you have to sort through shit. 
hold on to what matters. That could be the name for this episode. Sometimes you just got to sort the shit. Let's not do that. I already had to have you edit the last podcast so that I or the very first one of the new oh, season. There's nothing on that. Uh, yeah, right. I know. Um, yeah. But See, I, sometimes we just start a conversation and, and we think it's going to head in one way and it heads in a different way. I like where it, I like where it landed. Yeah. I like this. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I um, I really did kind of have a moment in there where I realized something, too. And I think I, it's why we, of course, it's why you have conversations. Right. And not with just not just with each other, but that's why you have conversations in general is so mm-hmm. you can realize things in the middle of them, you know? Um, yeah, but I I have this thing with you now where it is safe for us. To have those honest conversations. Yeah. And our relationship hasn't always been that way. Um, we've worked really hard at, for it to be that way now. Um, so I, I know that it's just not that cut and dry. Have a conversation and you get it all worked out. Um, right. You know, um, because for me to be honest with you in that moment and saying, but my, my business matters to me more than supporting you in this, that's a really hard place to come to. Um, a really hard thing From to where be we on. began, right. for certain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this, the stupid thing is, is it's, of course, it's a of course place. I mean, it's like. It is for yeah, you now. But that's a healthy relationship. That's not where we were. But that's be not where we began. No. Not that we began in a bad place either. No, it's, it's growth. It's, it's evolution. It's yeah. progress. Yeah. Which Agreed. Is, yeah. 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 It's a good thing. I'm going to finish my drink. You should. We should finish this episode also. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Because my nineness is kicking in and I'm ready to. <laughs> Get out of this um, <laughs> emotional little space that we created. Right. You're, you need to release it. Right. And I'm thinking about those steaks we got for tonight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you sing too. I, no, I didn't I did. know this about you. <laughs> know what I can't do. This is something I've never agreed with you on. (laughs) All right, let's sign out. Love you. Love you. We'll see everybody.